You're listening to Confidently Beautiful with Sierra, a podcast to help you stay confidently beautiful because we all have confidence inside us. We just need to bring it out and I'm here to show you how. Body image, dreams, parenting style, personality, and more. Here we cover it all. Get ready to stay confidently beautiful. The Break the Silence Benefit Run for Sapria is this Thursday, July 27th at 7 a.m. There's a 10K, a 5K. You can walk it. You can run it. It is open to the public, and it is a fundraiser to benefit Sapria and all of the survivors of child sexual abuse. You can find the link to register in the show notes, or you can go to sapria.org, and there is a link to register for the Break the Silence Benefit Run. And again, it is on July 27th in Salt Lake City, Utah. Today I have a wonderful guest, somebody that we have heard from once before. I have Kim with us, and she is going to be talking about something a little bit different than what she did before. It's my second most listened to. It's my second most listened to episode so far on this podcast, and it is episode seven. I will include a link in the show notes, of course. But if you want to go back and listen to that, you can get a little bit to know a little bit more about Kim as she talked about her postpartum depression and anxiety experience. Today, I'm going to have her talk about something a little different. We are going to be talking about Sapria and what is formerly known as the Haven Retreat. Now it is just the Sapria Retreat. And uh, she is going to talk about her healing journey as she is a survivor of child sexual abuse. I mentioned the 5K, 10K run that is coming up, and that is just one way that you can benefit Sapria. I am a monthly donor to Sapria. Anytime you purchase makeup or skincare from my website, you are donating to Sapria, whether you know it or not. 10% of all of the profits that are on my website go straight to Sapria to help prevent child sexual abuse, provide more uh, education on how to prevent it, and guide and give parents guidelines that they can share with their children, and it also helps people heal from child sexual abuse. You'll also have the opportunity to round up your order, and or you can add an additional like dollar or $5 donation every time you order on the website. But even if you don't do that, just your simple order, 10% of all of the profits will be donated to Sapria. It's an incredible organization. Shalane Maxfield is probably one of the purest people I've ever met. She is the founder of Sapria, and she is the heart of Sapria. She is what keeps it going. And there are so many awesome resources that you can find on Sapria's website, and they can help you to know how you can prevent child sexual abuse from happening, but also help yourself to, ser- to heal or to help someone you love who has experienced it to heal. And let me just reintroduce Kim to you as we go into this new episode with her. Kim is a mom. She's a foster mom. She has gone to cosmetology school. She is a baker. She makes the most beautiful cakes. And uh, she has put everything on hold besides motherhood. And she has kind of cleared her schedule to help her to have time for her healing as she has discovered that she has some healing that she needs to do with her childhood sexual abuse. So here is my interview with Kim. She talks about her experience at Sapria Retreat, and she talks about her healing journey and some trauma therapy that she has been doing and some other resources that she has that have been helpful to her as she has started to heal. Thank you so much for joining us, Kim. I'm so glad to have you back. Your episode was like one of the top listened to. I should pull up the statistic, but it's like still one of the top listened to episodes on the podcast. So I'm really thrilled to have you back. Uh, you always have such great things to share. Um, today, we're going to be talking about your journey with Sapria and your healing journey from your child sexual abuse. And I'm really excited to hear your experience. Sapria is 
something that I think is an incredible organization and to know somebody who has experienced it firsthand is really awesome. And I am so proud of you for all of the healing that you have been doing because I know it's not an easy road to heal from trauma. So can you give us a little bit of a big, a big picture of how you started to heal, why you felt like you needed to, to heal just to give people an idea? Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, I'm excited to be back here on the podcast. Um, And today I'm going to be sharing a little bit about my story as a childhood sexual abuse um, survivor. So I don't plan to share a lot of details about um, the abuse, but that's kind of your trigger as this topic can be a little bit more difficult to listen to as a survivor, just anyone in general. I've been on a healing journey from abuse and the effects it's had on my life. really since the abuse started, but it's really been the last five years that I have kind of dove deep in, into my healing, especially the last 10 months while in trauma therapy. My abuse happened at a very young age, kind of in the, the critical developmental stages of my childhood. My abusers were all family members, um, both male and female. And I mentioned that because more than 80% of the time, a child is abused by someone that they know and trust. Um, my abuse happened over um, a few years' time, and I spent my childhood, my teens, um, and my early ad- adulthood uh, pretending that it didn't happen, telling myself that it didn't affect me, and just honestly kind of praying that I would just forget and, and move on. I have very little memories as a child, um, both good and bad, due to the fact that I just kind of blocked everything out. I do remember a few counseling sessions when I was fairly young. But they kind of felt forced and and left me feeling ashamed, which oftentimes victims of childhood sexual abuse do feel shame, which is totally opposite than what they should feel. But I kind of just went on with my life. I was living in fear, just trying to be a kid, being like all the other kids around me, but really not having any idea to handle the emotions or what I had been through. I believe that my my abuse led me to have extreme anxiety, depression, um, chronic stress on my body, and my mind, uh, low self-esteem, overeating disorder, PTSD, and hypervigilance, and all those things that I experienced after this, but I just really never had a name um, to kind of pinpoint what was actually happening. And I, I still have a lot of those things to this day. Um, the trauma response has mostly been a flight response, which caused me to to overwork for years and just go the extra mile and time and time again. And honestly, I was praised by other people around me for it. They just thought I was such like a go-getter and stuff and which I am, but it was, it was a hundred percent a trauma response. And I, and I know that now if I just stay busy, I don't have to deal with my thoughts. That's one of the harder things about trauma is it, it makes it a lot harder to just sit and, and connect with what's happening in the present moment. So kind of fast forward several years and until when I when I had my first baby at when I was 26 I struggled really really hard with postpartum depression and anxiety um you can refer to that episode seven where we kind of dove deep into that more specifically on Sierra's podcast Uh, but I started therapy as an adult for the first time and um I briefly mentioned to my therapist about the abuse they encourage you to to bring up any you know, like past trauma or things like that, um, so that they can kind of have it in your background. Um, but I had just kind of brushed it off as like, I'm fine, I'm healed, um, but I'm here for postpartum depression and anxiety. And I just, I, I was, I did not know that that would have been like a huge factor into why I had postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, having a child brought so much added stress and anxiety into motherhood 
but all of that was linked back to my trauma and and things that I didn't heal and how my brain developed due to trauma. Um, I had heard from a friend about the unique um, Foundation Haven Retreat, which is the Supriyaj Retreat um, for women of childhood sexual abuse. And I kind of just felt a nudge that maybe I should look into it, even though I had healed, or so I thought. And I looked into it um, to see if maybe it could help or, or heal me more. Um, with the trauma I had gone through, even though I was, I was convinced I was fine and I, and I kind of passed it off as um, being okay. But really, I, I think I was just in denial and I just lived as though it didn't happen. Um, so this was during COVID. So I, I applied for the treat, but really not knowing if I could actually attend because, I mean, in early, mid-2020, things were kind of shut down. And they have two retreats in the U.S. One is in Utah, a few hours from where I live, and the other one is in Georgia. So I, I chose the Utah retreat um, in hopes to get in so I wouldn't have to fly. So I, they called and my re- registration went through and the people were just so kind and helpful and you could tell that they were trauma informed, which I really appreciated. Um, and so I, I attended the Supri retreat in September of 2020 and I was pregnant with my second. The Supri retreat is for women who were sexually abused before the age of 18. I really wasn't sure what to expect for the retreat, but my friend had just said amazing things about it. And I was really excited for some me time. Um, Almost honestly, I was kind of like, oh, this is like a mini vacation. (laughs) But I was excited to also just be educated more about trauma. Um, So I drove to the meeting location a few hours away and they don't give you the address. They just have you meet up. And and if you want to get in their vehicles with them or follow them, it totally sounds like a bad situation, but (laughs) I trusted them. So I followed um, these SUVs to a place I didn't know where I was going, Um, but I felt safe and safety is a huge priority for them. Um, This property was located in the mountains out of town. Um, It was so beautiful. There wasn't service. So we really got a chance to unplug. And I remember going through, it was a gated place. So the gates open and we drove in and I was like, I have never seen a more beautiful piece of property in my entire life. Like the, it was like a mansion. It was like a castle. Like it was so pretty. There was like beautiful, like grassy hills and like a pond and it was just gorgeous. All of the staff was so incredibly kind and welcoming. Um, We were put into small groups of six due to COVID. I believe now they're bigger groups, um, but it was smaller, smaller numbers to keep us spaced out. We did have to wear masks and the like procedures were a little bit different for us because of like their policy and the state regulations. But for me, I feel like it it didn't like take away from my experience at all. Over the next few days at retreat, I was really able to connect with other women, be educated on my brain and how it developed and how trauma um, kind of hindered that development and how it affected me. Um, my mind was blown when I found out that our brains actually don't fully develop till like age 25. And so I was just, I learned so much. It was really, really neat. Um, I spent time in nature outside. I did yoga, art, journaling, Muay Thai, Kizuki, breath work, and we got makeovers done. I was able to do kind of like some beginner yoga. Um, well, for me, beginner, other people did more advanced yoga. Um, but that was something that was really cool where I could just kind of like be and breathe. And it was just refreshing. I remember we were in um, the kind of like yoga um, studio and you could see the mountains right there and all of the glass doors kind of opened up. So you could like, just like the breeze was coming in and it was just, it was just so refreshing. Um, Muay Thai was a new experience for me. I had never tried it, but I really liked it. 
I felt so empowered punching the mitts back and forth um, while they counted to 50 and everyone was cheering. Um, and I was pregnant at the time. So I kind of first was like, oh no, like I'm pregnant. I'm not going to do it. And they're like, it's fine. You're not going to hurt your baby. Like they had instructors there. And, and so I did it. And I was so glad that I did. Um, I really liked the journaling that we were able to do to kind of get our thoughts and feelings down on paper. And that's something that I still use to this day. We made dream boards and I remember doing mine blue and purple, a kind of watercolor, just kind of simple. I'm not like super artistic unless it's on a cake. <laughs> um, but I wrote just in black, follow your dreams. And I always like think of that, that picture in my mind um, when I'm kind of feeling like I can't dream big. One of my favorite activities was kintsuki. Um, I think I say that right. We took, we each took a bowl kind of off the shelf and we broke it into pieces with a hammer. And then we got to use um, glue, gold glue to put it back together. And this is something that the Japanese do. They take broken things and they make them more beautiful. It's all about embracing our flaws and imperfections. When my life feels like it has fallen apart, I can celebrate and create a beautiful healing experience. Um, one of the days we were able to all have makeovers um, and get our hair done. And for me, I had had that done before being in the, the cosmetology industry, but some of these women had never had professional makeup done or their hair. They could go um, all glamorous or keep it simple. And then we were able to get um, pictures done by a professional photographer. And again, I had, I mean, I had had this done before, but it was really neat to kind of sit back and watch the other women who had never had an experience, something like this. And it was, it was really fun to kind of sit back and just kind of experience that with them. There's not one-on-one -on -one therapy there, but our small group discussions were led by a, a licensed therapist. And it was really cool and unique to experience that with so many women from all over the U.S., different states. They were all different ages. Some were very young, younger than me. Some were, you know, grandmas and even older. And we all, um, we were all there at different parts in our healing journey. And we were able to learn and support each other. The food there was incredible. They had a specific team of chefs that were making our meals for us. They were healthy and delicious. They even like have a garden on the, the property that they used the food from. It was like a five-star quality restaurant dish. I was so impressed with how well they planned out the retreat. retreat. Um, and it was done with every detail specific to survivors. You mentioned so many awesome things that you did at the retreat. If you had to pick one, like, do you have one moment that was really impactful for you in your healing? One thing that really kind of helped me just kind of like sit back and feel so blessed is some of these women, this was their first experience or admitting that they had this abuse done. And so it was really cool to kind of like witness and be a part of the beginning of their journey. And I felt like that kind of helped me like root for them. And so it helped me like, oh, people are also rooting for me. So I feel like that just kind of that, that connection was probably healing factor. Um, Cause you can go to therapy, you can read books, but when you're in a room full of women that have experienced abuse and we never talk about like specific abuse because you're not, you know, there is no comparison when abuse abuse is abuse but when you're in a room full of women that have all had something horrible happen to them I just feel like there's such a deeper connection and understanding about like why you do the things that you do and there was probably like I would imagine like a mutual respect for everyone in the room just that you're all there and you all took that step to go to that retreat 
I know I would respect you. <laughs> Everyone who goes there, I respect <laughs> you. Anyone who applies, I'm like, yes, like you're doing, you're doing something hard. Yeah, for sure. And and now that you even you mentioned applying, um, there's there's so many stories that I've heard of women that they say, oh, I applied three times and I chickened out the first two and I finally went on the third. Like, if applying is a big step for you, just apply. Just apply and see what happens. Do whatever you can to, you know, get yourself there, even if it's not the first time you apply, but because it is, that's a huge step for some people. And for me, I was just like, oh yeah, I'm going to apply and go, you know, but other people, it's so much harder because again, you're, you're admitting that this did happen to you and that you're going to do something about it. You mentioned that you went, you applied for the retreat and you went to the retreat, but you kind of felt like I'm. I'm healed. Like, I don't feel like I really like need to like go for this for like the healing thing, but you were intrigued. And so you went anyways, do you feel like after you were there, uh, or like, I guess what, what, at what point in your whole journey, do you think that you realize like, Oh, I actually have a lot more healing to do. Was it at the retreat or was it later on? Like you had said, I would say later on, um, I feel like my mindset at the retreat was still like, I'm going to be strong for other people. Like I'm going to help them. Um, And it's funny that I say that now because my nickname at the retreat was like the rock. Like I was the rock of the retreat. Like everyone kind of leaned on me type thing. And, and they're just like, I don't like, how are you so put together? You like, you seem so like normal. Like they, like people said that to me and I was just like, well, I've done a lot of healing. Like, I think I said that, but now I'm like, Oh my gosh. I was such a fraud. (laughs) Not really. But um, I really think that that was kind of like a good introduction for what I needed. um, Because everything was kind of so hush hush, like, um, even like, like I had told my husband about abuse, but he didn't know who he didn't know, like, I mean, it was, it was just something I didn't talk about. And so I feel like that was a good opportunity for me to be like, hey, I went to this retreat, like, I got support. And then since then, I've been able to share with more and more people. So I feel like that was kind of like um, planting the seed. But I would say probably, I really started to notice I really needed more help and healing after having kids and seeing how much it just affected my whole life. And especially um, the past year. And, you know, and after just last October, when I just feel like my life crumbled to pieces, um, that's when I was like, you know what, everything's linked back to this trauma. And until I I heal that and um, peel back those onion layers, like I'm, I'm never going to be able to like, fully embrace life and be happy. And so that's kind of where I've been in the the thick of that. Um, Last October, I had a season of, of things in my life happen. And it really brought up the pain and triggers and trauma all to the surface. Um, I had kind of shoved down for over 20 years at resurface. And I I found a trauma therapist that I've been working with for nine months and going every single week. It's been one of the best and hardest experiences I've ever had to do. Um, Digging up memories and events and learning how to process and heal them is exhausting. You can think of it like decluttering a pantry. Everything must come out first, and then you can slowly put things back together. You can toss things that don't belong. You can reorganize it, whatever you need to better serve you. Um, I've had to learn to put myself first. And as a recovering people pleaser, that is really hard work, and it takes a lot of time and patience. I've had to remove toxic people from my life and cut out triggering events or get-togethers and do what's best for me and my healing 
I'm grieving the childhood I didn't get to fully experience. I've been mad. I've been angry, bitter, sad, confused. And that's all a part of healing. There's no time limit to healing. It's a lifelong journey. I'm always going to live with what happened to me. And my life will never be the same. But I'm a fighter. I always have been. I really had no other choice. I hope that my healing journey will get easier. And I have hope that it will. Uh, Mason Sawyer says in his podcast, life is 10% about what happens to you and 90% how you respond. And right now I'm really focusing on that 90%. I'm here to take something that broke me and make it to um, a strength so that I can help others. Some books that have really helped me with my trauma healing um, is the book, What Happened to You by Oprah Winfrey and Bruce Perry. Um, I really loved this book because it really talked about, instead of saying, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I'm crazy. What's wrong with me? It goes and says, it's not about what's wrong with you. It's about what happened to you. What happened to you is why you do these things. And I feel like I really resonated um, with a lot of things from that book. Another book is The Body Keeps the Score. That one's a little bit more heavy, um, but it talks a lot about trauma and what what it does to the body. And another book that I really liked is called The Myth of Normal by Gabor Mate, Mateo. Um he talks a lot about how childhood trauma affects your life and your brain. And, and that one um, was really helpful to me as well. Going to trauma therapy has probably been the biggest thing for me and giving myself space and just time to just be, um, I really unplugged from social media a lot over the past year. Um, I've kept to my schedule clear and not overloaded. I focused on my body and my nutrition and I've had to say no to anything that really doesn't serve or uplift me and no, that's not selfish. It's just, so critical to my healing and processing what I've been through. If you are a woman survivor of childhood sexual abuse, go online to Supriya's website and look into it. This is a completely free retreat. All you have to do is get yourself to the low. And if you can't even do that, um, I know that there are sponsors that help with flights to get you um, to this retreat. You deserve healing. And this is a wonderful way to start or continue your healing journey. Thank you, Kim. I think even if you help one person, all this is worth it. But in the end, like maybe this is even talking it through um, can be helpful to you even. But I just I have so much respect for Shalane Maxfield. She's the one who founded Priya. Um, she's an incredible human. I've had the opportunity to meet her in person a couple times and she has a heart of gold. She really does. Um, and I just admire her so much in the mission that she's doing and to all of the lives that she is affecting. So thank you so much for sharing a little part of your story. And, um, I just wish you the best of luck on your healing journey. I know you have a lot of support and love around you and you can do it. You can do hard things. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope every survivor out there can find support and heal from something that they should have never had to experience. Don't give up. Keep fighting. You're a warrior and your future self will thank you. Uh, don't wait until you've completely healed to do something you've been wanting to try. You can do hard things and you're not alone. Thanks for listening. Connect with me on Instagram at Confidently Beautiful Podcast and share this episode with someone in your life who could use a little reminder of just how amazing they already are. Stay confidently beautiful.